You're listening to The Sick Room Show, episode number 17. In this episode, I'm speaking to Lisa Larter on how to add a life event to a coaching business. Welcome to The Sick Room Show. I'm your host, Sick Room, creator of Samba, the MBA program for online entrepreneurs. With each episode, I'll share with you inspiring case studies and interviews to help you achieve your dreams and turn your passion into profits. Thank you for spending time with me today. Building an online business takes time. I share with you proven strategies to help you get there faster. You'll also learn how to master your mindset, up-level your marketing, and succeed with masterminds. Today's guest is Lisa Larter, business coach, consultant, speaker, and author of the book, Pilot to Profit. One of the highlights of her life was to meet Oprah and help Deepak Chopra navigate on Facebook. You'll find links to Lisa's upcoming event and her website plus show notes of this episode by going to sickroom.com forward slash 17. I am so excited. I guess I say that about all guests, but I'm then super excited to be here with Lisa Larter, mentor, coach, client, I don't know, now friend, friend forever. Thank you for being on the show, Lisa. Thank you for having me on the show. I'm so excited that you're doing this. What a great show to have. And of course, you were one of the, on the top of my list, guests to talk to on the show but picking a topic was a bit challenging because there's so many things we could talk about since I know you very well and you're an amazing business coach and, you know, now a dear friend. But the topic that I picked was events. But before we dive into it, I would love for you to share a bit, you know, the journey. I could be reading your bio from a text, but I don't like to do that. I would love for you to share a bit like, I know you have an amazing business today, but... We, we, your background is uh, from retail and corporate, and that's what also attracts clients to you, right? So could you share yes. a little bit about that before we dive into the event? Yes, sure. Well, it's interesting, you know, earlier this year, I had the opportunity to have dinner with a gentleman by the name of Mark Levy. And I don't know if you're familiar with Mark Levy's work, but Mark Levy is the guy who helped Simon Sinek find Start With Why. He is a positioning expert, and he helps you connect with your backstory, the why behind what you do. And I've always had this go-to backstory about taking toys to the flea market to make money so that I could buy jeans, and that's how my entrepreneurial story started. But the evening that I met Mark Levy, this other story started bouncing around in my mind. And that story was the summer between grade five and grade six when I started to hemorrhage from my bowel. I was a very sick child. I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease around that time. And one of the reasons that they discovered that I had Crohn's disease is I hemorrhaged. And I hemorrhaged really, really badly. My mom was at work and I was at my doctor's office and my doctor, my GP, told my mom not to worry. I wouldn't bleed like my grandfather did, and he had diverticulitis. Well, by the end of the day, when my mom came to get me, her boss would not let her leave work to bring me to the hospital. 
his name was Otto and my mom was a single mom and she depended on that job to take care of me and for medical benefits, et cetera. And he said to her, you know, we all have problems and my problem is I need you here. And so my mom wasn't allowed to leave to take me to the hospital. When she finally got me to the hospital, I spent a week in intensive care. The only place they could find a pulse was in my ankle. They transfused me multiple times. And that situation made me who I am today because I decided that I would never, ever, ever be in a situation in my life where someone else chose what I do, what I can or cannot do when it comes to being there for the people that I love. And so that's why I'm passionate about helping people. And I think that's what has helped me in my journey. You know, I dropped out of high school and I worked my way up in retail. I went from clothing retail to technology retail. I quit my retail job where I was managing a team of about a thousand people and a hundred million dollars in retail sales in 2006 to open my own retail store. And I quickly learned how much I didn't know about running my own business when I opened that store and got myself into some, some hot water, which I was able to recover from. But I did learn that I knew a lot about business that other people didn't know. And a few years later, I ended up selling that business and doing what I do today, which is, you know, working with entrepreneurs who really want to understand how do I create an effective strategy to market my business so that I can attract more customers. And one of the things that I decided to do just randomly three years ago, and you were a huge supporter and help, is to host an event on money, mindset, and marketing so that I could share what I know about you know, making money and my own mindset difficulties and how to get out of my own way to grow and do things and how to market your business so that you can actually attract customers in a meaningful way. And that's kind of how I got into the event space. Yes. So, but your business, the event is more like an add-on to your mm. business and more like a marketing opportunity, although mm. sure, it's good to have it uh, profitable and we'll dive into that part of it. But your business coach, you run group programs and a mastermind and you have the profit pot and you've written the book, you know, that describes this journey. But mm -hmm. now you've started to pick the story that, you know, really is your why. So you have this amazing business. Why do an event? The original reason that I wanted to do the event was because my book, Pilot to Profit, was coming out. And a friend of mine who is an event manager, had her own business, had a venue booked. And she called me and said, I don't know what to do. I'm either going to try to sell the day that I have reserved at this amazing venue. I'm going to do my own event or I'm going to do an event with someone. And I said, I have a book coming out. Why don't we do it together? And so I literally leapt in and prayed to God the net would appear and that I wouldn't lose all kinds of money. And truth be told, I loved it. I loved bringing the first year we had 350 people attend the event. You flew in and spoke. Melody Dodero spoke. Kathy Smart spoke. We had an amazing time. And I would say, I had no idea what I was doing. And every year it's just continued to get better. So why do I do it? There's two reasons I do it. One, it's a demonstration of leadership. Not everyone can pull it off. It is not easy to get 350 people in a room. It is not easy to get, 
you know, close to 50 people to sponsor your event. And so when I do that, I am walking my talk in terms of showing what is possible when you play all in. The other reason I do it is there's a long tail that is associated with the event. I cannot tell you how many people end up working with me privately in my coaching programs or in my DIY programs who later tell me that they came to my event. They were a guest or a sponsor gave them a ticket or they were a guest of someone else's and they had never heard of me before. And when they came to the event, they decided because they met me and they saw what I was about that they wanted to work with me. See, I have this philosophy. I call it a continuum of trust. And I believe that there is a range of trust and that the range of trust starts at $0 and it goes up to the maximum amount of money that you charge. And at some place on that scale, there is a plateau, a ceiling that you cannot break through unless you have met someone in person. And so I believe part of my strategy is always, how do I connect with people I've met in person online? And how do I connect with people online in person? You can deepen the relationship and the opportunities in your business when you get out from behind a computer and actually have conversations face-to-face, belly-to-belly, eye-to-eye, heart-to-heart. I mean, hugging you is 10 times better than Skyping you. Absolutely. And, you know, I was willing to fly to Canada to speak at your event. I thought it was such an amazing thing. Mm -hmm. And I want to talk about, you know, so basically you fell into this event. It was not like this was a, a huge grand plan originally. It was just to launch your book. Just to launch my book. And I randomly on the stage said, we're going to do it again next year. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and what did you think? Like, did you well, regret it or just like, what did I just well, say? Well, I learned that I was such an inexperienced event person because I said, we're going to do it again next year, same weekend next year. And then people started coming up to me and saying, you realize that next year, this weekend is Thanksgiving. And then when I tried to secure a date for the event, the dates were all booked. And I'm like, oh my God, Lisa, you're so inexperienced. I think I sold three tickets to the next year at my event. And then last year when we did the second event, of course I had all my ducks lined up. I had the date. I knew yeah. exactly what we were doing. Yeah. I knew who the speakers were. I had it all lined out. And I think we sold like 60 tickets and a whole bunch of sponsors renewed. And it was a completely different experience. Yeah. So I would like to take it from an angle, someone listening or watching when we put this on YouTube as well. Someone is wanting to event. It's their dream to do an event. Actually, I have a client in mind that they would love to listen to this episode. What would you say are the steps to take, you know, in terms of time planning? I know we, we cannot do a whole event management here on the episode, but what are your lessons? You know, what, what are the pitfalls that are potential and, and what is most important to do? Well, the first lesson is depending on the size of your event, you need to be prepared to invest a lot of money. So running an event with 350 people and not including lunch is going to cost you twenty-five dollars to $30,000. Mm -hmm. If you are going to have lunch, you are looking at anywhere from thirty dollars to forty, if not $45,000 to run the event. So it's really important that the first thing you do is understand the mathematics of what goes into running events. The second thing you need to figure out is how do you create leverage? So for me, I look at my event and I structure, my strategy is 
I give sponsors tickets and Mm -hmm. I literally map out if I take my room and I divide it into thirds, a third of my tickets should be allocated to sponsors and their guests because that's how I meet new people. Yes. A third of my tickets are going to be sold to people who want to come to the event. And the remaining third are tickets that I'm going to either give away to random people that I want to come to the event or I'm going to give to clients who work with me. Because when you mix people who work with you that love you and trust you and believe in you with people that have no idea who you are, poof, magic happens. Perfect. Yes, that's exactly what happens. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's magical. It's You don't even have to ask people to talk about the impact of your work. Mm-hmm. They are happy to do it on their own. Yeah. But you mentioned also having this plan in mind. So you do your event. You already have to have the next event planned mm-hmm. because before people leave the room, they need to sign up for next round, right? Yes. That's where you make the most sales or at least the most bulk of the sales. Yes. Yeah, that's right. So I offer people the lowest ticket price when they're at the event. And if they purchase a ticket for next year, that no one else will ever get a ticket price that good. And I, you know, I, I try to actually create a movement at the event about why it's so important to come out and do these things. And I try to get people like I was actually really surprised last year by something I did that got a standing ovation. I said, it's really important if you like events like this, that we keep doing these events in Ottawa. And the only way we can continue to do these events in Ottawa is if you buy tickets. And all of a sudden, everybody was like clapping and cheering. Yeah, because it was about the location. And maybe Ottawa is not New York or LA or one of these places. So they want events to come in. It was it was almost like I was creating a cause or a movement. I have people flying in from the UK. I have people flying in from other provinces. I have people flying in from the United States. So we do attract a global audience to this event. But I would say 80% of the people are local. And so if 80% of the people are local and they love that this is happening in their local community, there's an opportunity to create a cause around the entrepreneurs in this community drive the events that we have in this community. Because when you say yes, then I keep doing the event. But if we don't sell tickets, I'm out of here. So what I do is I actually... Again, I'm strategic. I work with my partners at the hotel and they will hold a date for me for 24 hours after the event. So if I do the event and I don't sell any tickets, I say, forget it. I'm not doing it again next year. Because if I don't sell any tickets, that tells me that I did not deliver enough value for people to want to come back. And if I do sell lots of tickets and sponsors renew, then I know I'm building something of value. So if people are doing their first event, they could do the same thing. They could secure the date for next year, even if they're still not sure they want to do it. And if things work out well, then they know why they should be doing it again. Yes. Yeah. But what about the revenue? Because, you know, I do, you know, I'm doing a retreat in Iceland, as you know. And, you know, when you do these more expensive things, some of them are not really profitable. They're a mixture of, you know, like you building this relationship to a client, they buy some other things. So is the event itself profitable or is it more what you sell after the event? 
The very first year, I would say I traded four quarters for a dollar. I probably even lost a little bit of money, but then I made money as a result of the event after. So I could track, I believe, thirty to forty thousand dollars worth of revenue that came from people who were at the event that didn't do business with me before. The second year, we made a bit of money. But the second year, you have to remember, I took on all the onus and responsibility myself. I didn't have a partner the second year. Everything was mine. And the second year, I added lunch to the mix, which was expensive. So the second year, I would say we netted out a small profit. It was not a big revenue maker. But once again, there have been a number of people who have decided to work with me. The third year is where the magic is starting to happen. This time last year, I was still hustling to sell tickets because we sold three at the event. This year, I have when I do the math after sponsors, after my private clients, after tickets that are sold, I think I have maybe two or three sponsorship spots left aside from title sponsor, and I have less than fifty tickets that I can sell, and the event is three months away. So. Yeah, so this year is different. This year we're getting traction. The other thing that I'm doing this year that I didn't do the last few years is I got smarter in terms of how I can save money by working with the venue and negotiating better contracts. So if I sell a certain number of rooms at the hotel, then they will give me a break on the ballroom cost. I can actually get the ballroom for free, which would save me about fifteen thousand dollars, depending on the amount of rooms that I sell. So, the question becomes: Well, how do you sell hotel rooms? Because if it's a one-day event, who's going to stay at a hotel room? So, my strategy was to add a second day where there's a VIP unplugged day for eighty people. And now I've got people that want to come and stay at the hotel, but because day two is eighty people, the cost of the room for eighty people is significantly smaller than a room that will hold four hundred plus forty exhibitors. So that's one of the areas that I learned where I could save money. The other area that I've learned where I can save money is to look for sponsorship partnerships. So there are people who will do, and I, I have a whole blog on why bartering is bleeding your business. I, I am not a trader of services, but I am a trader of services at an event. So if I can offer something of value to someone who wants to be a sponsor at my event, let's just say a photographer, as an example, would normally charge me a thousand dollars. But they want a gold sponsorship because they want to sell their services at my event, and they want to have somebody work the table while they're shooting. Well, that's a good trade because it benefits both of us. So I have been very strategic about looking for certain partners where I can create win-win-win relationships, and that also helps me keep the expenditures down, which broadens the profit margins. Yeah. So, 
would you say that you have to do this three times to get to this point? Because it feels like, you know, you, you worked with people who have, are professional event managers, even the first time. And still there are so many lessons to learn. Is this just a part of creating a product? Like, you know, the event is kind of a product now. Is that just part of the learning curve or is there any way to speed the learning up? Well, I think listening to this podcast is going to speed the learning up because year one, the biggest mistake I did is I didn't have a venue or a date or even speakers considered for the following year. So people can't buy what you can't communicate. Oh, buy a ticket to the event. I don't know when it is. I don't know where it is. And I don't know who's speaking. Do you want to buy? No, nobody wants to buy that. But when I said, hey, next year's event is on, on November 1st and Steve Dotto's flying in to talk about video marketing and here's a video from him and Sue Zimmerman's flying in to talk about Instagram and here's a video from her. If you want to learn about these things, you need to be here next year. This is the date. This is the price. This is the venue. Then people say yes. So what I would say is there's a difference between an event manager who manages weddings and social celebrations versus an event manager who has experience with revenue generating events for coaches, consultants, and thought leaders. I did not have an event manager who specializes in coaches, consultants, thought leaders. And so I didn't know what I didn't know. So if you know that, I would assume you could carve a year off. I also think that you have to have a decent sized following if you're going to do this. So if you have never run an event, I've run small events and workshops and, and I've spoke at a ton of big events. I know what a big stage looks like. I know what good AV setup looks like. like I know a lot about events from speaking at them. But if you don't have that experience, I think that you should start small. You should do a workshop and you should learn from facilitating a workshop what it's like on a smaller scale before you do something that is a 350-person lunch-included event. And people would say to me, well, Lisa, why do you pay for lunch? Simple. I have sponsors who have paid for visibility. And when I provide people with lunch, they do not need to leave the building. And therefore, we keep everyone together. There are greater networking opportunities for the people who attend. And there are much better opportunities for our sponsors to connect with the people that they want to get to know. Yeah, exactly. So how far in advance do you market, besides selling it at last year's event, how far in advance are you actively marketing the event? We did, I would say, probably a 30 to 60 day marketing blitz after the event because I believe that there is pre, during, and post event marketing activities. Prior to the event, obviously you're marketing to get your last minute ticket sales. During and right after the event, there's an event halo. Everybody's talking about how great the event is, so it's easy to sell tickets in that time frame. And right now, we are starting to ramp up our marketing initiatives probably 60 days before. Originally, I would have said 90 days. You need to be ready 90 days before. And that means your website needs to be up. Your autoresponders need to be up. All your marketing materials need to be ready to go. Your ads need to be created. Everything's got to be ready to go, not ready to start. I have decided to delay it 
to 60 days just because we are so far ahead of the game this year. Yeah, because you don't have so many tickets left. And I don't have that many, no. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, this has been amazing, Lisa. And it makes me so excited for your event again. So I was last year there and your first year. This year, unfortunately, not there. So many other traveling opportunities and things going on. And as you know, I really want to spend my fall in Iceland mm-hmm. for, because my dad is sick. So I've actually canceled several conferences that I was planning to go to. But I am truly excited for your event. And well, in case somebody's listening who wants to go, how would they sign up for your event? They can just go to lisalarder.com forward slash event. Yes. And they can, I think the early bird ticket pricing expires August 31st. Perfect. I recommend Lisa's event highly. And as I said, they should probably do the two-day thing because then they get the intimate VIP experience with Lisa. And I'm just so grateful for our relationship. And we could be talking about this or many other topics. So I bet, well, I hope you come back on the show and talk about, for instance, your book and, you know, group coaching. I know you have your opinion on that and so many other things. And, you know, also speaking, you are like a a sought after public speaker. And I think a lot of coaches need to add that to their portfolio as well. Well, I am very grateful for you too and our friendship. And I still remember the night that I was on B-School asking, who knows how to do my Facebook ads are not converting. Something is wrong. And my VA is telling me this is good. And I don't think it's good. And all of a sudden you were just in there helping me. And, you know, that was just a really amazing experience to have you, you know, first of all, say, here, let me help you. And then, you know, to have your guidance in working with you on all of that as well. So I have a lot of fond memories of our time together. And, you know, I'm grateful for our friendship and our continued friendship too. Oh, it was so wonderful to have you here, Lisa. And thank you for your support. Also, uh, Lisa is messaging me almost daily. And that's Thank you. I think you're one of the kindest friends I have. Thank you, Lisa, for being on the show. Thank you. You'll find links to Lisa's upcoming event and her website plus show notes of this episode by going to sigrun.com forward slash 17. Thank you for listening to The Sigrun Show. Did you enjoy this episode? If you did, please share, subscribe and give the show a review on iTunes. See you in the next episode.